Alleluia. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Good morning and welcome to Emmanuel Anglican Church. This is our morning prayer worship service for Sunday, April 26th, 2020, the third Easter, or the third Sunday of Easter. We begin our worship this morning by hearing a Charles Wesley hymn, Love's Redeeming Work is Done. Love's redeeming work is done, fought the fight, the battle won. Death in vain forbids him rise, Christ has opened paradise. Lives again our glorious King, where, O death, is now thy sting. Once he died our souls to save, where thy victory, O grave? Soar we now where Christ has led, following our exalted head. Made like him, like him we rise. Ours the cross, the grave, the skies. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. If then you have been seated, been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Dearly beloved, the scriptures teach us to acknowledge our many sins and offenses not concealing them from our Heavenly Father, but confessing them with humble and obedient hearts that we may obtain forgiveness by His infinite goodness and mercy. We ought at all times humbly to acknowledge our sins before Almighty God, but especially when we come together in His presence to give thanks for the great benefits we've received at His hands, to declare His most worthy praise, to hear His holy word, and to ask, for ourselves and on behalf of others, those things which are necessary for our life and our salvation. Therefore, draw near with me to the throne of heavenly grace. We confess our sins using the form of confession found on page 3 of our Easter liturgy booklet. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep, We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, desires not the death of sinners, but that they may turn from their wickedness and live. He has empowered and commanded his ministers to pronounce to his people, being penitent, the absolution and remission of their sins. He pardons and absolves all who truly repent and genuinely believe his holy gospel. For this reason, we beseech him to grant us true repentance and his Holy Spirit, that our present deeds may please him, the rest of our lives may be pure and holy, and that at the last we may come to his eternal joy, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us stand together as we pronounce the invitatory. O Lord, open our lips and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. O God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. 
Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Alleluia. The Lord is risen indeed. O come, let us adore him. Alleluia. We adore Christ our Passover by saying together the Pascha Nostrum. You'll find it printed at the top of page 5. Alleluia. Christ our Passover has been sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast. Not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Alleluia. Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Alleluia. Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Alleluia! Our psalm appointed for today are selected verses from Psalm 116. If you're still standing, you please be seated. These are selected verses from Psalm 116. I'll read the first three verses, and then we will jump to verse 10 and following. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Resuming at verse 10. I believed, even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our second reading this morning comes from the book of Acts. In the second chapter, we'll start at the 14th verse. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. And now we jump to verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself." 
And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's respond to the reading of Acts chapter 2 by saying together, Alleluia, Alleluia. You'll find it printed in page 6 of your worship booklet. Alleluia, Alleluia, give thanks to the risen Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia, give praise to His name. Jesus is Lord of all the earth. He is the King of creation. Alleluia, Alleluia, give thanks to the risen Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia, give praise to His name. And we remain standing for the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter, beginning at the 13th verse. Glory to you, Lord Christ. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body... They came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and on all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. And they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while, we t- while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with, him, the, with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the gospel of Christ. Praise to you, Lord Christ. And let us respond to the reading of the gospel by saying together, Christ triumphant, ever reigning. Christ triumphant, ever reigning, Savior, Master, King, Lord of heaven, our lives sustaining, hear us as we sing. Yours the glory and the crown, the high renown, the eternal 
name. Come now, Holy Spirit, we pray, as we turn to the preaching of the Word of God. Holy Spirit, come and move amongst us. We read in the Word that the Scriptures are a two-edged sword wielded by the Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and cut us with this sword. Do your work in us. May our hearts burn as you encourage, as you convict, as you provoke. Use the Word of God to transform us more and more into the very image of Christ, our Savior, and bring glory to God. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you're still standing, I invite you to be seated this morning as we turn to the preaching of this passage from Luke chapter 24. So if you have your Bibles, please open them with me to Luke chapter 24. We're going to start with verse 13. Before we begin and before we dive right into Luke 24, I'd like to just remind you of a particular way in which St. Luke begins the Acts of the Apostles, right? So St. Luke wrote sort of a two-volume early church history, or a two-volume history of Jesus and his disciples. He writes the Gospel according to St. Luke, and then he writes the sequel, the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, he began, St. Luke begins, by writing that Jesus presented himself alive to his disciples after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So St. Luke tells us that for 40 days after Jesus' resurrection, he appeared and presented himself as alive several times in different manners, to show them about the kingdom of God, to show them, his disciples, that he was alive and to teach them about the kingdom. Now, last week, uh, on April uh, 19th, we looked together at John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. That was one of those occurrences, one of those appearances of the risen Jesus. And there, we saw the risen Jesus reveal himself to his disciples in the midst of their anxiety, their worry, their fear, in the midst of their lockdown. The risen Jesus shows up, and he gives them peace. He promises them the Holy Spirit. Well, today we're going to be looking at another appearance of Jesus. This one is on the day of his resurrection, just like John chapter 20. And as he reveals himself here, he reveals himself through Scripture and the breaking of bread. Notice how Luke begins this particular passage in verse 13. Luke says, that very day. Right, So St. Luke begins our passage for today looking back at what he wrote in these first 12 verses of chapter 24. That very day, the first day of the week, when Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, discovered the empty tomb. They were asked by angelic visitors, why do you seek the living among the dead? That very day, two of Jesus' disciples were walking along the dusty road to Emmaus. Leaving Jerusalem, perhaps headed home, they were talking and discussing together. Luke tells us this, the events of that weekend, when Jesus joined them on the road. They were sad. They were heartbroken. And when the risen Jesus joined them in their journey, St. Luke carefully states that their eyes were kept from recognizing him. 
They wanted to see the risen Jesus. They say this. No one's yet seen Jesus. They've seen the empty tomb. They've had angelic visitors. No one's yet seen Jesus. And yet they can't recognize the very thing that they want is standing right with them. Now, this is going to be a process through which Jesus reveals who he is. He makes an appearance to them. But here they are, right, on this road, disappointed, disillusioned. They were doubting. They walked along with this stranger who seemed to be ignorant of the events. I I love that little phrase. You know, what are you talking about? We're talking about the things that had happened in Jerusalem. What things? And their response to this stranger is like, Did you have your head stuck in the sand? Were you in quarantine? How do you not know this? As Cleopas and his companion explained, they were talking about Jesus' death, his public execution. They were talking about the reports of his resurrection. More than that, they they were talking about the fact that they had hopes in place upon Jesus. They had been following him as a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. And more to the point, they had hoped that Jesus was the one who would redeem Israel. They had expected, they had hoped, they had longed for Jesus to overthrow the Roman oppressors, to deliver the people of Israel into a new era of freedom and to establish a kingdom. But Jesus died. And it was now the third day since his crucifixion. And as Jesus died, the possibility in their minds of his messianic deliverance died with him. But they note, they note something odd has now happened. They note that something unusual has now been proclaimed. There were new developments in this story to their grief and their disappointment. Now had been added perhaps a twist of hope as the tomb of Jesus had been reported empty. Some of the women who were part of their company didn't see the body and in fact had seen angels. And some of the men of the company also went and found the tomb empty but didn't understand. This not understanding is a common enough occurrence to the, to, uh, or reaction to Jesus and the events of that week. And so the risen Jesus, notice what happens here. The risen Jesus sets to work. He sets to reveal himself. He sets to correct their misunderstanding. And I want us to pay close, close attention. Let's play, pay close attention to how Jesus reveals himself in this passage. And let's first notice what Jesus does not do. Jesus, here on the road to Emmaus, did not unveil his glory in some kind of transfiguration event. Jesus did not put out his hands and show them the scars. Jesus did not levitate. Jesus did not work some miracle. He did not say, now watch this. No, to reveal himself, the crucified and risen Jesus on the road to Emmaus took these two disciples to the scriptures to all of the Old Testament, and there began to show them why their thoughts and their beliefs about the Messiah were misguided, and why the Messiah had to die and rise. Notice what Jesus says in verse 25 through 27. He said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then Luke tells us, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. 
why Cleopas, while Cleopas and his friend did not recognize Jesus, he began to unfold and explain why the events of the week, why the crucifixion was necessary, why the resurrection was necessary. Jesus does this to remove the obstacles to their understanding by turning to Scripture. He he works to correct their messianic misunderstanding that they may know Jesus correctly. How does he do that? He turns to Scripture. They wanted the glory of the Messiah. They wanted the rule and the reign. But what they didn't understand that it was the through the suffering that the Messiah would enter into his glory. They had too narrow of a scope. And Jesus wants to broaden their horizons. Jesus takes these disciples on a tour of the Old Testament. And in the writings of Moses and the prophets and all of the Old Testament, Jesus explains his crucifixion and resurrection that they might understand these things were necessary. Notice what Jesus does in the face of misunderstanding and confusion, in the face of disappointment. Jesus responds by teaching truth. Jesus responds by pointing people to Scripture. Jesus turned to the scriptures so that they may understand and believe that all that had happened, the entry into the city of Jerusalem, the betrayal, the arrest, the crucifixion of Jesus, his resurrection, that all of this was always part of the plan, that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, that Jesus is the Messiah, entered now into his glory to rule and reign. Jesus turned to Scripture on the road to Emmaus precisely because Scripture is first and fundamentally about Jesus. Leslie Newbegin once commented that the Scriptures have their center and determining focus in the events concerning Jesus. The Scriptures point toward Jesus through direct prophecies or shadows and types. The Scriptures are to be understood through Jesus Because Jesus is the fulfillment of the Scriptures. And that's what he's doing on that road to Emmaus. It's interesting to note that when St. Luke begins to record the sermons of the apostles in the book of the Acts, uh, notice what they preach. In Acts chapter 2, for example, in his sermon, Peter refers to Joel chapter 2, Psalm 16, and Psalm 110. Where did he turn? He turned to the Scriptures. In Acts chapter 8, Philip explained Isaiah 53, 7 and 8 by teaching the reality of Jesus, Jesus as fulfillment. In Acts chapter 13, while in Antioch of Pisidia, Paul and Barnabas walk through the entire story of Israel, the Exodus, King David, and they point to Jesus as fulfillment. And in Acts chapter 17, we read that while in a synagogue in Thessalonica, Paul went in as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. Where do we find the risen Jesus revealed? Jesus, the risen Jesus himself, turned to the pages of Scriptures, He set a pattern on that road to Emmaus, a pattern of true preaching, of true revelation, as the risen Jesus on the road to Emmaus revealed himself through the scriptures. And folks, he still does that today. The risen Jesus is still found in the pages 
of Scripture. Now back to the road to Emmaus, back to our journey of Luke 24, this, this uh, thruple now, these three individuals on their journey finally arrived near Emmaus. And Calopas and his friend urged Jesus to stay the night with them. They still don't know who he is. They urge Jesus to stay. The day is almost past. Enjoy a meal. Find rest. Continue on in the morning. At table fellowship, the risen Jesus was revealed in the breaking of bread. Look at verse 30. When he was at table with them, this is again talking about Jesus, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Now our minds probably jump right to the Last Supper of a few nights before this meal, but we have to remember that these two men had not been present at that meal. And while they weren't present that night, they very well could have been present when Jesus did something very similar, blessed and broke and gave bread. He fed a crowd in the wilderness. The feeding of the 5,000 was a major event in the life and ministry of Jesus. Each of the Gospels reported. In Luke chapter 9, we'll stay with our Lucan theme. In Luke chapter 9, we read, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he, this is Jesus, looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. The feeding of the 5,000, this feeding of the crowd, revealed something about Jesus, who he was and who he is. And in the immediate context, it, Jesus works to reveal even more about himself. In Luke's gospel account, Immediately after this breaking of bread, this revelation of self, Peter confesses Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus is transfigured. In John chapter 6, this feeding of the 5,000 leads to Jesus to proclaim, I am the bread of life. And so what, what we're seeing here in Luke chapter 24 is Jesus doing what Jesus had already done. He takes bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, he gives it out. This is revealing something about who he is, just as the feeding of the 5,000 and the events immediately after reveal who Jesus is. So in Luke chapter 24, the blessing and the breaking of the bread is revelatory. The eyes of the disciples, which had previously been kept closed, were now opened, and they recognized Jesus. There's something about the breaking of the bread, something about the blessing, the breaking, and the giving that reveals Jesus. And I don't know that we can claim that Jesus was celebrating here the Last Supper or communion in this occasion with these two men. Luke doesn't mention that wine was present. Luke doesn't mention any of the words of institution. Luke doesn't mention that Jesus says, this is my body. What we need to recognize is that Jesus somehow is making use of companionship and table fellowship to reveal himself. He was physically present to these men. And we can't miss the fact that throughout this Emmaus experience, Jesus became a companion along the way. Maybe we can put it this way. Simple fellowship was the context through which Jesus revealed himself to these two disciples. Jesus came alongside these disciples who were struggling. He joined them on their journey. He companioned them. He, he revealed himself. And maybe I'm pressing a point beyond these scriptures, but I can't help but consider Jesus reveals himself in the breaking of bread in the context of companionship, of fellowship. 
There is then a, a physical, an incarnational aspect to the revelation of the crucified and risen Jesus. Jesus reveals himself by being with people, and it seems to me at least that Jesus' people ought to then point toward Jesus by being with people. So there's something going on in the companionship and the fellowship and the breaking of bread that reveals Jesus. Now we can't say with any certainty, we can't claim with any certainty that Jesus was celebrating the Lord's Supper here, but I have to admit that when I read this, my mind automatically takes me there. Perhaps yours did too. My mind, when I read this, uh, takes me automatically to that night that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper where he took bread and he had given thanks. It's the blessing. He broke it. He gave it to them saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And so by his institution of his supper, Jesus makes it pretty clear that he is to be found in connection to the bread and the wine. A celebration which is, in fact, conducted where? Within the context of the fellowship of companionship. The people gathered. The people on the way of people of journey. The point is that the risen Jesus is made known through the Lord's Supper as his victory is celebrated and his, and his grace is received as a sacrament, that which the Catechism defines as an outward and visible sign of inward and spiritual grace. The Lord's Supper is used by God to create, strengthen, and confirm our faith in him. This means that the risen Lord is found, though his presence is spiritual in the breaking of of bread. The risen Jesus revealed himself on the road to Emmaus through the scriptures and through the breaking of bread. And I am convinced that he still does so today. So what are some implications of all of this for us today? What are some implications of this both in our current context and then in the coming of the post-COVID world? The first we have to recognize, folks, that the risen Jesus is still revealed in the pages of Scripture. Every day, at our midday prayer time, we encourage those who listen and pray with us to invest in the spiritual disciplines, primarily among these, the reading of Scripture. Why do we read the Scriptures? We read the Scriptures because that's where we find Jesus. We read so we may believe in Jesus, the crucified and risen King. They contain all things necessary for life and salvation precisely because they are centered upon Jesus. He is, as Bishop John Rogers once explained, the high point and key to the whole story. There is salvation found in no other name than Jesus, and Jesus is revealed in the Word of God, the scriptures of both Old and New Testaments. The Bible, why do we read the Bible? We read the Bible to find Jesus. We read the scriptures also because they are profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that we may be complete, equipped for every good work. They form us and they guide us in life. We read the scriptures because they are the word of God. And when the Holy Spirit works in us through the word of God, our hearts burn within us. We read the word of God fundamentally. Because the scriptures are relevant and necessary to our lives. As Anglican pastor John Stott puts it, God still speaks through what he has written. It is a living word to living people from the living God, a contemporary message for the contemporary world. 
The scriptures are not about us, they're about Jesus. And this doesn't change whether we're in lockdown or not, whether we're suffering trials or whether the economy is boom or bust. This has not changed. The scriptures are about Jesus, the risen Lord. And our commitment to the word of God cannot change either. Why? Because the risen Jesus is revealed in the word of God. The second implication comes out of this idea of Jesus being revealed in the breaking of bread. If Jesus reveals himself in the breaking of bread in the context of companionship and fellowship, and if we as disciples are called to point toward Jesus, is the context of companionship and fellowship one that we ought to pursue? We recognize quite quickly that social distancing and isolation, while necessary for the moment, they are not the way it's supposed to be. There is a physical nature to the church. There is a physical nature to worship. There is a physical nature to Jesus revealing himself, isn't there? The church gathers together within the physical presence of one another and in the fellowship of companionship to worship the Lord and to break the bread of the Lord's Supper together. Given our present context, given this pandemic of COVID-19, given our inability to be physically present to one another, I have opted to not celebrate the Lord's Supper at Emmanuel Church until such time as we can gather together physically around the table and be fed together by the spiritual presence of Christ in the physical bread and wine. This isn't a decision that I've made or taken lightly. Maybe, like me, you greatly miss the weekly celebration of the Lord's Supper and part of the reason that I miss the celebration of the Lord's Supper is the physical presence of the fellowship of companionship as God's grace and the sacrament binds us to Him and to one another. And In my investigations and in my uh, prayers and my study, there simply isn't an option that does these two biblical things right now. And so we fast. My hope when we emerge from the COVID pandemic is that there is a renewed desire, a thirst for church fellowship and companionship and for the Lord's Supper together. My hope is that churches across this nation and certainly our own church will reunite when we are able with celebration and praise for the revealing of the risen Jesus in our worship and praise in our breaking of bread. My hope, my prayer is that at that day, At that time, Jesus will be revealed, the risen Christ, shown to us in Scripture and in the breaking of bread. The risen Jesus is revealed in the Scriptures. The risen Jesus is revealed in the breaking of bread. The risen Jesus revealed himself through Scriptures and breaking bread on the dusty road to Emmaus 2,000 years ago. And the risen Jesus reveals himself through Scriptures and the breaking of bread today. I hope and pray you join me in looking forward with eager anticipation of the day in which we can once again gather in the fellowship of companionship, hear the word of God, and break bread with one another. That is for our good, but it is also for the revealing of the glory of Christ, the crucified and risen one. I've said these things to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's respond to the preaching of the word by standing together and saying the Apostles' Creed as you find printed on page 7 of your Easter liturgical booklet. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. 
He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Let us pray. As we turn to our prayers, I invite you to adopt a posture of prayer. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, show your mercy upon us, and grant us your salvation. O Lord, guide those who govern us, and lead us in the way of justice and truth. Clothe your ministers with righteousness, and let your people sing with joy. O Lord, save your people, and bless your inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord, and defend us by your mighty power. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and take not your Holy Spirit from us. Let us pray uh, the third, the collect for the third Sunday of Easter. Almighty God, you gave your only Son to be for us both a sacrifice for sin and an example of godly living. Give us grace, thankfully, to receive his inestimable benefits and daily to follow the blessed steps of his most holy life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. We continue our prayers with some specific collects appointed for the season in which we find ourselves. And so we pray uh, in times of social distress, increase, O God, the spirit of neighborliness among us, that in peril we may uphold one another, in suffering tend to one another, and in homelessness, loneliness, or exile befriend one another. Grant us brave and enduring hearts that we may strengthen one another until the disciplines and testing of these days are ended, and you again give peace in our time. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray for those who are ill, those who are sick and recovering from a variety of ailments and illnesses, and we pray for those in the medical professions. Almighty and immortal God, giver of life and health, we implore your mercy for your servants. Dot, Jane, Sally, Keith, Forrest, Nancy, Betts, Joe, Marlene, Nathaniel, Jack Ryan, Judy, Seth, Kathy, Brant, Helen, Joyce, Danny, John, Patty, Lee, Jenna, Caleb K, Lori, Ann, Tammy, Gracie, Randy, Mallory, Dave, Mike, Melissa, June, Hal, Mike, Sue, Bob, and Sally, and any others that you may now name. 
that by your blessing upon them and upon those who minister to them with your healing gifts, they may be restored to health of body and mind according to your gracious will, and may give thanks to you in your holy church through Jesus Christ our Lord. As we pray for those whom we know and love who are sick in need of healing and recovery, we pray for the medical professionals. Almighty God, whose blessed Son, Jesus Christ, went about doing good and healing all manner of sickness and disease among the people. Continue in our hospitals His gracious work among us. Console and heal the sick. And grant to the physicians, nurses, and assisting staff, Rebecca, Aaron, and Marianne among them, wisdom and skill, diligence and patience. Prosper their work, O Lord, and send down your blessing upon all who serve the suffering. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. There are some who are serving now, and not only are medical professionals putting themselves in in risk, um, as they do every day, uh, but there are others who are serving and put themselves at risk as well. Consistently throughout the course of the year, we pray for our law enforcement officers, the men and women of the military, first responders. We pray for men and women like Jonathan, who work every day to serve and to keep, and we pray for their protection. We pray for trustfulness in times of worry and anxiety. We pray this prayer of trustfulness, especially for those who are unemployed or underemployed. We pray for those who are concerned about commerce and industry, for those who are concerned about making ends meet and paying their bills. Most loving Father, you will us to give thanks for all things, to dread nothing but the loss of you, and to cast all our care on the one who cares for us. Preserve us from faithless fears and worldly anxieties, and grant that no clouds of this mortal life may hide from us the light of that love which is immortal, and which you have manifested unto us in your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Gracious God, we pray for economic recovery and turnaround. We pray that the conditions and the context of our global economy brought about by COVID-19 would be undone. We pray first, Heavenly Father, for the complete and utter eradication and destruction of this virus and this illness from around this globe. Lord, bring healing to the men and women of all ages, of all races, and of all nationalities who suffer from this disease and protect others from from getting it. Gracious God, we pray that you would do this work of healing for your glory. Reveal Jesus in the midst of this. And Lord, we pray for those who are out of work, that they would find work. We pray as this economy turns around that men and women would be able to get back to work quickly and in good order. We pray, Lord, that uh, we would learn some things in the midst of all of this. And one of those things that we would learn is that we are not in control, but we can trust the one who is. So gracious God, we pray that you would come, magnify Christ, glorify the King. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms upon the cross, on the hardwood of the cross, that everyone who might come within the reach of your saving embrace, so clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. Let us pray for those whom we know and love who do not yet know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time 
with one accord to make our common supplications to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will grant their requests. Fulfill now, O Lord, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth, and in the age to come, life everlasting. Amen. Let us stand together. All of our problems, we send to the cross of Christ. All of our difficulties, we send to the cross of Christ. All the devil's works, we send to the cross of Christ. And all of our hopes, we set on the risen Christ. May Christ, the Son of Righteousness, shine upon you and scatter all the darkness from before your path. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you now and remain with you always. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for morning prayer on this third Sunday of Easter. May God bless you richly until we see each other again soon.